We're continuing to make our way through the book of Colossians together this morning, and we're going to pick up today right where we left off last week. We've called this series Through Him and For Him because Colossians is a book that firmly brings everything back to Christ. So listen for that title because it's going to pop up in the section of Colossians we'll hear today. So kids, as you hear that passage, just poke your parents in the ribs, okay? You have my permission, parents, sorry, but it had to happen. So as you hear through him and for him, so they know you're paying attention, a little poke, okay? Colossians centers around the remarkable claim that everything that exists, everything on earth, everything in the universe, everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. Our salvation comes through Jesus and is for Jesus. Our lives are shaped through Jesus and for Jesus. Everything is through him and for him. So as we jump back into Colossians this morning, we'll hear Paul continue to develop this claim as he writes to the church in Colossae. If you remember last week, Paul was giving thanks to God because the good news, the true message, the gospel had come to Colossae and was growing and bearing fruit among them as they heard it and truly understood God's grace. And then Paul prayed that that understanding might grow more and more deeply as God revealed God's self to them, that they might be able to then live lives worthy of Jesus. As we keep reading, we'll hear Paul help to deepen that understanding of who Jesus is and of the grace of God given through him. So as we get ready to open our Bibles, I want to invite you to take a moment just to get ready. It's really hard in our lives. We live with so many distractions that not just for kids, but for all of us, it takes a bit to pay attention to one thing for a little while. So do what you need to to ready your heart and your mind and your body to listen to these words from the book that we love. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. This passage, these five verses in the first chapter of Colossians, are some of the most lofty and grand descriptions of who Jesus is that we find in the entire Bible. Experts who studied these things say that it clearly has poetic qualities in Greek. It was meant to be a poem, possibly even an early Christian hymn to Jesus. Whatever it originally was, it's clear that a lot of time and thought and energy went into shaping these words to help capture for the Colossians and now for us 
who Jesus really is. So as we jump more deeply into them this morning, they're going to do three things for us. They're going to lead us to worship God. They're going to lead us to reorder our lives. And they're going to give us a ton of confidence. They're going to lead us into worship. They're going to reorder our lives. And they're going to give us a lot of confidence. Okay? I think the first thing they do, and maybe the most important thing they do, is they lead us into worship. Worship is from that old English word, worthship. And thankfully, they took the TH out of it eventually because it's impossible to say. Worthship. It has to do with what has worth, what is most worthy. You worship the thing you think is most worthy in life and in the world. And as we remember this morning, or maybe as we hear for the first time that Jesus is all of these things, we find out that Jesus is the most worthy of all glory over everything else in heaven and on earth. And we rightly respond with worshiping. There's a reason we use some of these words to invite us into worship at the beginning of the service this morning. Just look about what First Colossians 1 says about Jesus. It says, He's the image of the invisible God. In other words, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. Jesus is God's imprint in the world, the one who most fully shows us God. As humanity, we were created in the image of God, but that image was, was warped and twisted by sin. Christ is the image of the invisible God. It says he's the firstborn of all creation. Not that he was the first one made when God created everything, but that he has the first place in everything, the highest status. And as the firstborn would have in his day received everything that was his father's, so too Christ receives everything as the firstborn of creation. Jesus, it says, is the one through whom and for whom all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, everything was created through him and for him. We'll talk about what that means in a few minutes, but if that's true then he is above all else to be worshipped. It says Jesus is the beginning. Paul says Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, not only the firstborn of creation, but of the dead. For Jesus has conquered death and has rose from it as the first of what will be one day many and has shown us he has power even over death. It says Jesus is the one in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell All the fullness of God is in this human who walked around among us. And it says, through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things in earth and on heaven by making peace through the blood of his cross. He is not only the firstborn of creation, the one through whom everything was made, but the one through whom everything will be saved. The one through whom everything is saved and for whom everything is saved. To reconcile means to bring back together. And while we ran away from God, this one who is truly human and truly God, has brought us back together finally again. If all of this stuff is true, then we really have no response but to sing as we did earlier, all hail the power of Jesus' name. What a beautiful name is this. For Jesus stands over all things. He is no mere human being. He is no mere good teacher 
No mere example of how we should live and treat each other. No mere justice warrior. This human who was born in Bethlehem, who fleed to Egypt as a refugee, who returned to be raised in Nazareth, who lived a perfect human life, is the fullness of God. The image of an invisible God. God in the flesh among us. And because of who he is and all that he has done, Jesus holds now the name that is above every name. Jesus is alone worthy of our worship, our praise, our thanksgiving, and our lives. This passage leads us into worship. Are you asleep this morning? Because that's a big deal. Can I get an amen from anybody? Thank you. This passage leads us into worship for all that it proclaims of who Jesus is. That's the first thing that it does. And the second thing that it does is it then forces us to reorder everything in our lives. To reorder everything, really. Because if this is true, that Jesus now has first place in everything, then everything else is made through him and for him, then everything we thought had first place has to get bumped down at least a few pegs. Everything is going to need to be reordered in our lives. What's the most important thing in your life? Take a moment to really think about that. What's the most important thing in your life? And go deeper than just what you want to be the most important thing in your life, what you think others want to hear is the most important thing in your life. We can all give good answers to that question. What's actually the most important thing? What's functionally the most important thing? Look at how you use your time, your energy, your resources, how you invest those things. And based on not just what you say, but everything you do, what are you showing to be the most important thing in life? I can go first. For me, it's far too often myself. Even while I'm up here as a pastor on a Sunday morning in the middle of a worship service, preaching the word of God, I'm often far more concerned that I come off looking good. Not just looking good, but looking good. That I come off wise and yet relevant eloquent and yet humorous. I spend a lot of effort in life on social media and other places making sure you like me and think I'm cool or funny. When my kids are freaking out in public, I'm not really concerned with them. I'm mad because it makes me look bad. A good portion of my life shows that I'm the most important thing to me. And maybe it's the same for you. Or maybe for you it's something like comfort or security. Maybe economic comfort, doing whatever you need to to be comfortable, to make sure you don't have to worry about finances now or in the future. Maybe it's a different form of comfort, like staying in your comfort zone. Or, not, or maybe being overly entitled to your own personal leisure or ease in life. Maybe it's career that you've sacrificed almost everything for it. That you go in probably too early, you stay probably too late, and even when you are home, you're still answering emails and text messages about work. That you can't say no or unplug because you might be passed over for the next promotion. You're not home as much as you'd like, your family suffers because of it, but it's worth it, you say, because of where it will get you. 
Or maybe for you, it's, it's even family. Something that seems worthy and worthwhile. Yet as we come to know Jesus, as we come to understand his grace, to truly recognize who he is, means that all these other things have to be reordered. He is to have first place in everything. Everything, Scripture says, is made through him and for him, which means nothing that exists was made for itself, for its own sake. But everything, not just us Christians, not just us human beings, but everything, visible and invisible, exists for Jesus and to display his glory in the world. And it's only when you know what something's for, when you know something's purpose, that you can actually use it rightly. So who else loves the Little Mermaid? The Disney? There's at least a few? Great. So do you remember the Dinglehopper and the Snarfblatt? It's one of my favorite parts as a kid. Um, so Ariel finds these human treasures, doesn't know what they are, brings them to Scuttle, a seagull who, because he can fly onto land, is supposed to be wise in the way of human beings. She shows him the first, and he says it's a dinglehopper, and humans use it to style their hair. Shows him the second, and he says, oh, that's a, a banded, bulbous snarfblatt, and it's used to make music and entertain humans. So then there's the great scene later when she's a human but can't talk, and she picks up the fork off the table and starts combing her hair like she's all in, and everyone laughs at her. She takes the pipe out of someone else's mouth, and she blows through it and blows the tobacco everywhere and makes a giant mess. Knowing what something is for is the only way to use it rightly. You can use a fork to comb your hair, right? It technically kind of works, kind of, but that's not what it's made for. I think there's a lot of confusion today about what things are for that Paul can help us straighten out. Because we don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist to carve out a life that's comfortable, free from suffering or difficulty or need or anxiety. We don't exist to meet our own needs and desires. Our deepest purpose isn't to discover and express ourselves. We don't exist for our careers, even for our families. All things were created through him and for him, Paul says. We were created for Christ. And everything else must be reordered to find its rightful place under him. Understanding who Jesus is not only leads us to worship, but it causes us then to reorder everything else underneath him. And the last thing we'll say this morning is that it also gives us a lot of confidence. It's going to give us a lot of confidence to realize that Jesus is first over everything. If everything was made through him and for him, if he has the first place in everything, that means that nothing else has power over you but Christ. Paul makes sure to include among those lists of things that were made through Jesus and for Jesus. He lists thrones and powers and rulers and authorities. A list that carefully includes both the visible and invisible powers of this world. Both the earthly rulers and authorities as well as the spiritual ones in this world. All of these are subject to Christ. Which means in the midst of the chaos of our world, everything is still subject to Christ. 
nation states, government authorities, in the midst of the threat of war in the Middle East with Iran, with trade tensions with China, the tensions with North Korea, and those just scratch the surface. In the midst of all of that chaos, Paul still proclaims loudly, all of this was made through Christ and for Christ. In the chaos of our own lives, Paul says the same thing. In the face of the powers of darkness, powers we sometimes give different names like addiction and mental illness and disability, even here, Christ is over everything. Even these powers are made through Jesus and for Jesus. And while they may be in a state of rebellion now, Paul reassures us they are not equal and opposite to the power of Christ. And there is no question about how things will end. They were made through him and for him. And a day will come when these powers, too, are bent back into their rightful place, ordered underneath Christ and to give him glory. The one through whom everything was created is the one who's also conquered death and by the blood of the cross brought us back to God, us and all creation, all of heaven and earth with us. He is both the firstborn of creation and the firstborn of the dead, which means those who belong to him have nothing to worry about because there is no throne, no power, no dominion, no ruler, no authority, nothing that can do anything to us outside the will of Christ. We celebrated this on Friday morning when we gathered here to remember and give thanks for the life of Olive Yenny for who God made her by nature and by grace, and for the hope that she clung to for 99 and a half years, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, as Paul says in Romans 8. Not life, not death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, not height nor depth, not anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For he is the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. And this is the incredible gift, the freedom that we receive in Christ. And it's so incredible that whatever we end up giving up as Jesus reorders our lives begins to pale in comparison. Because I'll be honest, as we come to worship Christ— as we come to reorder our lives in him, we'll likely lose some things. It's very likely that you won't make as much money as you would if you weren't a Christian. Maybe you've chosen to go into ministry. Maybe you've chosen your career won't take first place in your life. Maybe you've decided you won't make deals like that or work in those kinds of ways. You might make less money because you're a Christian. You might give up of your leisure time, of some of your vacation budget, some of your status or standing. Jesus will impact things like where you live and how you live with your neighbors, how you use your time and energy and resources. And in the eyes of the world, that may look like a deep loss. But they're not a loss in our eyes because we have found the thing for which we were made. We have found what true freedom looks like. We've found Jesus, the one who made all things, the one in whom all things hold together, the one through whom and for whom all things in heaven and on earth were created. He has saved us and brought us home to God. 
And when you find something that incredible, everything else seems far less important. This is how Jesus said it in Matthew in a parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. He went and sold everything that he had and went back and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found the one of great value, he went away and joyfully sold everything he had and bought it. Paul said it this way in Philippians. Yet whatever gains I had, these I've come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God based on faith. I want to know Christ, Paul says, and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. So friends, let's press on Despite our wandering, despite our weakness, despite our hesitance to give everything up for Christ, Christ has still given everything for you. He is the firstborn over creation and over the dead, the one who's established peace with God. So let's live with confidence that the one whom we worship is not one God among many, but above all and through all and in all. Let's reorder our lives to receive him as first place in everything. And let's worship this one in whom all the fullness of God dwells. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you are the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the one through whom everything was made and for whom everything was created. So, Lord, we worship you. So, Lord, we give you our lives, everything we are, everything we have. For we have found in you the great treasure, the pearl of great price. Lord, receive our lives. Receive all that we are. Receive even just the portion we can give you right now at this moment. And, Lord, take a foothold. Work in us and in our hearts that all that we are may become yours. For you are our everything. Come, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.